That was smoother than I thought it was going to be, Pat. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much. So um, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews this morning. We're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 11. So find your ways there. And while you do that, I do have a question for all of you. How many of you remember your first job? Right, your first real job where you're paying taxes and all of that, right? So I remember mine. I was uh, hired as a seasonal employee at a department store called Mervyn's. Remember Mervyn's? Yeah, it's been a while. So I, was, uh, I, I worked seasonally for this, uh, this, this department store. And um, I can remember how kind of exciting and, and anxious I was when I got this first job. I'm just a kid you know, trying to figure out life, thinking I'm all mature and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, I, I can remember some days were super, super early in the morning, you know, and I didn't have a car then because I was lazy. So I, I'm walking, you know, super in the morning, mile, mile and a half, two miles to work. Sometimes I'm going super late in the evening. And then, you know, so there's a lot of things I can remember about that. I also remember my very first Black Friday in the shoe department. <sighs> terrifying I'll tell you that terrifying so I also remember that right but I also remember getting my first paycheck and I don't remember getting my first paycheck because it was really great I actually kind of think it was a great disappointment right you, you you open up your paycheck you're all exciting you're expecting something specific and the next thing you know there's 20 30 percent of it taken right out right those lovely taxes and other deductions that come with it and then as you grow older what ends up happening, you, maybe you buy a car, so there's, there's car payments and gas and insurance. You know, maybe you, you get a, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend and there's dating costs, right? And then as you get older, there's all these additional things that build up. And it was during that moment in my life where I realized, you know what? Maybe being a grown-up isn't that great after all, right? Maybe it's not as much as, you know, oh, you guys have it easy. No, it, it, sometimes it just doesn't feel that way, Right? So, and I would venture to guess that even though being a kid is somewhat easy, most of you in this room, with the exception of probably my, the one child in the room, most of you in this room will probably not want to go back to childhood, right? I don't think any of us in this room probably want to go back there, do we? And, and I think what, what we're going to see this morning in this text, shockingly, there's going to be a group of these Jewish Christians that are perfectly content being spiritual children. And they're perfectly content even being spiritual babies. So we're going to dig into that here in just a moment. So let's go ahead and actually see that now. We're going to start in verse 11. We'll carry this through verse, or chapter 6, verse 3. Starting at verse 11, it says this, About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is more for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by a constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore... Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. 
So that's our text for this morning. So I want to kind of quickly just talk a little bit about the, the immediate context. I always feel that it's very important for us to kind of see where we were, where we are, and how it all kind of ties in together. So the, recall that this original text, it doesn't have those chapters and verses, right? So it's incredibly important that we do that. So in verse 11, we see that word this. So that this connects it to the immediate text that we saw just last week. Okay, more specifically in verse 10 and the preceding verses. This is to say the writer is referring to this idea... Of, of what we saw with Christ being compared to the high priest Melchizedek. I knew I was going to butcher that today. Right? So after the order of Melchizedek, we saw that last week. So the writer here is kind of pivoting, right? He's pivoting, and, and we'll see why he's doing that here in a minute, but he's pivoting here, and he's saying that, you know, because he's going to actually pick this back up when we get to chapter 7. So I want to kind of figure out why this pivot. Why did he switch the topic here so abruptly? What is the purpose of that? And in part, he answers that at the beginning of verse 12, right? In the beginning of verse 12, he says that you ought to be teachers by now. So what he's basically saying here is that they have been Christians long enough. They have been under good teaching long enough. So they, in theory, they should be and maybe ought to be teaching others because they have been grounded in that word of God. But therein lies the issue. They weren't. They weren't there spiritually, and they weren't there uh, as, as, as good. Uh, they, they just had an habit there. They were spiritual babies still. And we're going to have to see the, why that is. And what they were doing is they were drinking milk instead of eating solid foods, or as my sermon title today is, by eating more meat, right? So with that background in mind, here's the, the, the main idea that I want to talk through today. Main idea is this, to become a mature disciple, I must develop a hunger for God's word. To become a mature disciple, I must develop a hunger for God's word. So you see, the problem identified here is that the church was immature. The church here was immature. This is evidenced in this analogy that the writer uses with food, right? He, he says here that they were, they were consuming milk, they weren't consuming this solid food. The picture here is that the church was still on the bottle, right? They were still on the bottle, and they weren't at that stage of eating solid foods yet. So I would say and summarize here that the writer is saying that when we eat or what we eat is indicative of our level of maturity. What we eat is indicative of our level of maturity. So parents, I want you to think about your own children or your own grandchildren, right? Most of you know that I have two daughters. I have Elizabeth, my oldest, and I have Gabrielle, my youngest. Now, Elizabeth, I would argue, is, is what we would probably consider in our culture, in our world today, fully functioning, right? She's met all of the basic, you know, fundamental areas of her life development, right? She, after after she, she was on, on, the, on the breast milk and the bottle, she went on to solid foods. After kindergarten, she went on to first grade and second, now in fifth, etc. She's continuing to develop physically, spiritually, mentally. Okay? Now, contrast my youngest daughter, Gabrielle. Right? So Gabrielle has not done that, right? And, 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 and what the process of development is, 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 is a psychological thing, right? It, it's, it's the process of, of human development. Gabrielle has this brain, uh, rare brain malformation, okay? And what that does is it has, de has not allowed her to develop in the same way that Elizabeth has, 
So it, de- it delays this natural development that God has built into us. And at the risk of sounding, you know, insensitive to my own daughter, she's remained at the infancy stage of her life, even at eight years old, right? Some of you are like, she's eight years old yet, right? So even at eight years old, she's remained in this infancy stage, right? And that is not natural, right, as we would see it. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that this church, these Christians have remained in the infancy stage, just like my daughter Gabrielle in their spiritual development. So we got to understand why. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did they remain there? Is it because of poor teaching? Perhaps. But the author here identifies this immediately in, in verse 11. Verse 11 says that the people here were dull of hearing. And we'll see this term used again next week. This, this, you know, they were dull of hearing. So what does that mean? It, it means that they were spiritually dull, right? And the New Living Translation says that they were no longer listening. The Christian Standard Bible says that, that they were lazy to understand, okay? So I think that helps paint that picture a little bit more for us. They were lazy. You see, they were not growing maturity, not that because they were not able to, like my youngest daughter, but because they were being spiritually lazy, That's why they were not developing in the way they should. So let's talk through that. How does a Christian become spiritually easy? How does a Christian become spiritually easy? Well, if you want to become spiritually lazy, here's the first step. Become bored of the Word of God. A spiritually lazy person is bored of the Word of God. So again, going back to verse 11, we see that they had become hard of hearing. They were lazy. They were slothful sluggish in their approach to the word of God. Okay. Now recall again that, this, that in verse 10, the writer just finished this, this, this comparison to this high priest, right? And, and he has to kind of stop there because he's like, you know what? Y'all are just not getting this, are you? You're just not getting it. So he has to stop in that moment. Maybe if you have spoken in public before, you, you've probably experienced this. Somebody... Everybody in the audience, they have that glazed look in their eyes. They're looking at their phone. They're falling asleep, right? That's disinterest, right? That's disinterest, and that also can mean that they're just not comprehending what's happening. So their mind is going elsewhere to somewhere that they may actually understand. And they're being distracted and all these other things because they're just not connecting to the message. I suspect that's what the writer of Hebrews was experiencing, Right, that they were just not getting it. They were it was it was not something that they understood. So he decides, you know what, I'm gonna stop here because you just aren't getting this. It was too dense for them. There was just too much going on for them to comprehend. So it was almost like a rabbit trail or a digression, or as I, I the word I used earlier was a pivot. And he carries this through almost the entire next chapter. It's almost like he realized that this topic was just way too much. And in a moment of, I would argue, disappointment, he takes this as an opportunity to rebuke them. He rebukes the church at this time. And we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, too. You know, frankly, a good Bible-teaching church is a very important aspect, as we know, in, as a Christian, right? But I would argue, and we've said this many times before, that there's an importance in a, and there's something essential about good personal study and good group study, in the life development of a Christian. So the second thing that we would do 
to become spiritually easy, the second thing that people do is they stay focused only on elementary doctrine. They stay focused only on elementary doctrine. And the text here, if you look at it, actually says this is fundamental. So it's in no way discounting these fundamental doctrines. It's just saying, frankly, we just can't stay there. We can't just stay there. We have to move forward and grow. So he's saying we can't stay there. We must mature. And that's really what he challenges us when we get into the next section. So let's go back to that picture of of food that we talk about, right? So a few of uh, us guys, we try to get together every other week. So the the key word and emphasis is try. It's been very difficult, (laughs) right? So we try to get together every week. And we usually go to like a, a steak joint or a burger joint or something like that, right? So just imagine four guys going to a steak joint, going to a burger joint. Three of them order good steak, some potatoes, maybe a little side salad just to make the wife happy, right? But then one of them decides, I'm just going to order a glass of milk. Or I'm going to order, you know, let me have some applesauce. Let me, let me, what's, what's on the kid's menu, Right? Just imagine what that looks, it doesn't, it doesn't look right, does it? There's something not right about it, right? And that's essentially what he's talking about there. You, you know, even if it doesn't look right, fact is, adults need adult food, right? If anything else, just for basic nourishment, right? Or imagine, just yesterday we had our men's breakfast. Imagine, instead of putting some, some bacon and some eggs and and, and some, some hash browns on the plate. Imagine if we just put out some of those little go-gurts, those little yogurt tubes, and a little juice box for the men. Right? Again, it just ain't right. And that's what we're kind of talking about here, right? And, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your forgiveness right now. I've been breaking the cardinal rule of talking about food in church all day. I, I am so sorry. That's going to distract you in itself. So what about this idea, though, another comparison? Let's take off of food for now. Let's go to education, right? There's, there's an order in education, right? Preschool, kindergarten, first, then you get to, to junior high, then you get to high school, then college, university, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's this process that's a natural development. So imagine, again, if one of our kids just stayed in kindergarten. You know, they start growing a beard, start growing a mustache. They're just sitting there doing their ABCs all day for the last 20 years, right? It just, again, it's not something that, that's, that's right. And again, what's, what's the, the, the necessary thing is that once they get to kindergarten, they build on those foundations. Those principles of the ABCs don't go away, but we're just using it in a different way, right? And that's what we're talking about here. Milk is important. ABCs, they're important, but we can't stay there is what the, the author is arguing here. The next thing we do if we want to be spiritually lazy We remain unskilled in the word of righteousness. Remain unskilled in the word of righteousness. Another word we can say there is inexperienced. Right? We're inexperienced in the word of God. And the writer calls them children. He says that they have not learned enough. They have not learned enough to graduate to that next level. They have failed to age spiritually because they failed to develop their understanding of the word of God. And, and it's, it's that understanding happens through understanding the word, and that understanding of God increases with that. And at a certain point of your, your walk with Jesus, you really should know more, 
right? If you really just kind of think about it from a logical perspective, you should have a deeper understanding of him as you grow and as you develop in your Christian walk. It doesn't matter if you're five when you come to Jesus or 55 when you come to Jesus, right? That is when you start to develop over time. And, and, and an example right here at Thornydale Family Church, we have three groups for our kids that meet most Sundays, right? We have three groups because each of those three groups, they need something different. They have different needs. They have different maturity levels. They experience different things. So they need to be along with the people that they're going to learn best with. So there, there's a little bit of that involved as well. And this verse tells us again that they are still children because they are unskilled. They're inexperienced in the word of God. So let's switch the, the, the topic here for a moment. So what does that mean? And how does a Christian become hungry for the word of God? How does a Christian become hungry for the word of God? First thing we see here is simple. We have to train. Right? If you exercise, you understand the importance of training. And that's really what this, this kind of word means. And we'll see that here in a moment. One of my favorite verses in the Bible as a father is, is, is Proverbs 22, verse 6. And this is what the word says here. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right? Training. We have to train our children and train each other. And we have to train in our development of the word of God. Verse 14 tells us that a mature disciple trains by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Constant practice is the word that's used there. And again, we said it already, but this word can be used and, and translated as exercise or even as discipline. And now if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, you'll know back in, in, when we get further into the book in chapter 12, that same word is used there when it talks about the, uh, the discipline of the Lord and how what that builds us up. It says that it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's what the word says in Hebrews 12.11. This is really a training of the mind to understand deeper what the Word of God is. Um, I had to read a book a couple, couple years ago for school, and it was uh, uh, author J.P. Moreland wrote this book called Love Your God with All of Your Mind. And it's actually based on the premise of Romans 12, 1 and 2, right, where, where, where Paul like, literally begs the church to, to develop their minds. Um, and it's also based on the premise of Matthew 22, 27 to 29, 39, where Jesus challenged the Pharisees and, and, and helped them understand that the greatest commandment was to love your God, your mind, soul, etc. Right? So, so this is what the premise of this, this, um, this passage was. And in our culture today, it's critical for us Christians to, to understand what is truth. Right? And that's really what it's talking about. We have to understand what is truth and what is false. Because we're going to hear many different points of view and we have to understand what is real what is truth so we will not get that from the world we can only get that from the word right so this is what the author says here he says today people are inclined to think that the sincerity and fervency of one's belief is more important than the content as long as we believe something honestly and strongly we are told then that is all that matters it's very true, isn't it? So Moreland here is arguing that the, the growing of the mind is, is critical. 
through training, and it is an essential function of the Christian. Another author, theologian John R.W. Stott, he challenges us with these words. And he's kind of telling us, like, hey, has God not done these things, right? So has God created us rational beings? And shall we deny our humanity, which he has given us? Has God not spoken to us, and we shall not listen to his words? Has God renewed our mind through Christ? And shall we not think through it? That's what, the, that's what he's saying here as well. He's saying we need to train our minds. And the next thing he says here is that we need to graduate from elementary school. We need to graduate from elementary school. We talked about this a bit later or earlier, but I do want to kind of camp for a couple moments here on, on chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. So this writer gives this list uh, to these Christians. Okay, he gives this list. It's behind me here on the screen. He gives this list uh, to the Christians here. Now, some people have actually taken this list and they said, you know what, this is really good content for a beginner's class for church. And they build a curriculum around it and they build like a new member's class around it. But I want you to think about this for a moment and I'll give you a second to look. What do you think is missing from this list? If that's true, what's missing from this list? Christ. Christ is missing from this list, isn't he? So if this is a basic fundamental class and curriculum, it's missing Jesus here, isn't it? But so I, I read through this this week and studied it, and then I came across a pastor named David Guzik, and he actually challenges us, and he says that there might be a different purpose for this specific list. And I think this was interesting to share. So again, I want you to remember that this is a letter written to Jewish Christians, newly converted Christians who were once Jews, right? And we know from our prior studies in this book that the writer's been proving to them that Christ is superior, Christ is greater than basically everything else, including Judaism, okay? So this list, again, it's missing Jesus, isn't it? But this list, so if, if, you know, one example here would be the word washings, right? Some of your translations might actually say baptisms one of your there might be even a footnote in your bible that says baptisms but when you look at that word in the original text it actually is is the same word used later in hebrews chapter 9 where the writer talks about the temple and the holy place and it's also the same word used in mark chapter 7 verse 4 where jesus was questioned why his disciples didn't wash their hands before a meal right so this is a ceremonial cleansing. It's not baptism in the way that we understand it from the New Testament. It's not the same word, right? So when you look at that, you're like, okay, this actually helps to understand this passage maybe just a little bit better. So this is to say this is a, a ceremonial washing. And, and what Guzik was kind of arguing here is that this list was actually kind of a safe list. It was a safe list, and the reason for that is recall that the Jews were tolerated by the Romans during this time, whereas the Christians were persecuted by them, right? So if, if this list was both Christian and Jewish, I can stay right in the middle and be safe from persecution. That's what Guzik was arguing here. I thought that was pretty interesting. And he's saying again, so I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of Christians today Maybe some of you in this room are watching online who, who, who are okay being safe, 
right? Think about some of these phrases Christians throw around all the time. God bless you. I've heard non-Christians say that, right? How about God loves you? That's nice because it's, it's, it's friendly, it's lovable, there's nothing bad about it, right? So that's an acceptable term, right? Or thank God, right? You hear that all the time. TGIF, thank God it's Friday, right? It's, it's a, something that's generally used within. It's, it's, it's agreeable. Or how about this one? Love others. That's a very strong Christian principle, isn't it? But no one's going to say, well, love others, come on. Right? So these are safe words and terms that we use today in Christianity and as long and in the world as well, where hey, it's safe to say those things in a certain context. So when we graduate from elementary school, it requires us to take the complete message, not just the shiny parts of the message. And that's what the author is telling us here. So I want I want to challenge you with this. Does, does your personal evangelism include the doctrines of hell? Does it include talking about sin? Those are some of the things that we need to be speaking about when we're talking to others about Jesus. Because guess what? If we're going saying, hey, Jesus saves, we have to understand what Jesus is saving us from. Right? Next thing here is this. Develop a desire for God's word. Develop a desire for God's word. We joke about this frequently. If you're doing a Bible in a year program, by the time you get to like Leviticus, you're usually done, right? <laughs> it's hard to get through that book. And if you finally get through that book, then you've got to deal with numbers. And that's not an easy book either, right? So once you get past numbers, you're probably in really good shape, right? You know, so there, there needs to be a desire for God's love or God's word. So do you love God's word? I think that's something that we need to ask ourselves. Do you look forward to reading it? studying it, talking about it with others. So what I want to do, and this, this is a great psalm that will help us to develop a love for the Word of God, I want to spend the next few minutes reading the entire psalm 119. Okay, good, I heard a few chuckles there. So Psalm 119, we're not going to really read it. It's the longest book in the, or the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, so I'm a little disappointed. I only heard a few chuckles, because that means you may not know your Bible well enough. Right? You may not know it well enough. So, but this one here, I, I do urge you to read that this week. Right? I do urge you to read it because the, the psalmist really here is talking about the wonders of the Word of God. He's speaking about how amazing this Word is and how it directs his life. Right? He celebrates and he talks eloquently about it. So, do you feel that same way as the psalmist did? where he wrote 174 verses on it, right? Think about a loved one that you may not have seen in a long time. Think about how joyful it would be to hear that person's voice, right? We should be having that same excitement about hearing the word of God, about hearing his voice through that word of God. And I want to challenge you with this here too. So when we're bored with the word of God, we're actually silencing his voice, Right? When, we're, when we are bored and tired of the word of God, we're silencing his voice. So I'm not going to discount the fact that for many, it might be difficult to understand. 
And that's okay, right? And that's why we, we teach. That's why we have people who can teach as well. One possible solution to this might be to, to find a really good study Bible that will help you to kind of piece things together and help you to see the historical context and things of that nature. It's a challenging thing. There's hundreds of them out there, right? But there, there are some really good study Bibles out there and study helps that can help you with this, right? And then finally, the next thing is this. Depend on God, right? And that's, that's what we see there in that very short verse 3 of chapter 6. So again, the, the, the writer is rebuking them. He's reminding them that they're too old to be acting like babies, right? And think about babies. They're wholly dependent on their parent. They have to feed them. They have to, you know, change them. They have to bathe them. They can't get dressed on their own, right? baby, the infant, is wholly dependent on their mother or father. So again, if we were to kind of paraphrase what the author is saying when we get to verse 1, he's like, or verse 11, he's like, guys, enough. Enough. Today's the day we're going to move on to maturity. That's what he says in 6.1. We're going to move on to maturity, and, and we're not going to talk about these elementary things anymore. So tighten up your belt, put your big boy pants on, we're going to get to work, Right? So, brothers and sisters, this is only possible, what we see in verse 6 or verse 3, this is only possible through Jesus, through God. Our dependence must be on him. And that's what this verse is teaching us. The New Living Translation renders this verse this way, and this is verse 3 I'm talking about. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Right? God willing, he's going to help you grow. And of course we know, just kind of thinking about that out loud, right? He's, he's going to help us to do that. But we need to be, kind of be a part of that. So again, we saw today that to become a mature disciple, I must develop a hunger for God's word. So what's stopping you? Do you not understand what, what's being taught? Do you not understand what you're reading? That's okay too. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8? Y'all remember that story? There, the eunuch is reading from the, the, the scroll of Isaiah. But guess what? He had no idea what he was reading. So what did God do? He sent Philip over there. And he sent Philip to help him to understand what the word of God was saying. And then, and then another example would be the Titus chapter 2, right? Where it talks about the older men which the older there just basically means mature. Mature men teaching the younger men, right? The mature women teaching the younger women, right? He's saying that we can learn together. But we do have something better than Philip or those old timers, right? We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But I will also help you to understand too, we have a lot of men right here in this group and a lot of women right here in this group that would be happy to walk you through the scriptures, help you to understand what you're reading. I assure you of that. Every child who learns to walk has to do what? You got to take that first step, don't they? Every child who, wants, who, who begins walking must take that first step. So maybe that first step for you is to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe that's your very first step. Maybe your first step or your next step is, is to, uh, to develop a, a healthier reading plan or reading function in your life 
Now, if, if you are going to, you know, if that first step for you is to, to surrender your life to Jesus, please see Pastor Pat and I after this service. We would love to talk to you about that more. But again, maybe the next step for you is to develop a healthy habit of reading the Word of God. How many of you are participating in our daily reading plan? Right? There's good. That's a good amount of us. It's available online. It's fairly simple, particularly from the desktop app, to get in there and to read the chapter uh, and, and to kind of understand how it fits into the whole story of God. And there are great people in this room that comment on it on a regular basis as well, help us to kind of see it in a different aspect as well. I highly recommend that you join us. You can pick up on this plan at any time. Okay? So are you ready to graduate to more solid foods? If so, we would love to be a part of that. I will argue that anybody in this room will be happy to be alongside with you on that. So let's pray about it. Father God, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for, for helping us to see and understand, God, that your word is great. Help us to, to, to dig deeper into your word and to understand more mature aspects of it. Help us to understand more about what it's teaching us and how to apply these things to our lives. Help us to, to be bold enough to, to raise our hand for help. Help us to, to seek you as we read to understand better of what we're reading and God, if there's somebody here that, that, that needs to take that first step of, of surrendering their lives to you, God, we just pray for that person right now. And we just ask, God, that you just come alongside of them and you give them the joy that they will have in being a disciple of Jesus. And Father, we just, uh, just get, lift this time to you and we thank you, God, for it. And we pray, God, that you help us to develop a hunger for your word. Help us to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen.